One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Screen time, screen time. Hello, and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters, we watch, you listen, find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone, voluntarily. I'm Katie. And I'm Deborah. And I have two kids, Jay, he's four, and Kenny, he's one. And I have three kids, Tony is 10, and Libby and Nate are seven. And they are so adorable, aren't they? They're pretty adorable. We like to tell a quick story about how awesome or sometimes awful our kids are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we are moms too. What have your duo been up to this week? I cannot believe this, Deborah, because I have had some really boring stories for this segment for many weeks in a row. But this week, I actually have two adorable stories to share. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First is this. Jay can swim. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He can like dive in the deep end and get the like little pool weights that you throw down there without his floaty on and he comes up and he's able to make it to the side. I mean, he's not like freestyling down the pool, but he is officially floaty free. That is awesome. What a good feeling. So after only mm, three and three quarters years of swim lessons, (laughs) they finally paid off. (laughs) (laughs) And also, aren't you spending a lot of time in your backyard pool because of home quarantine? Do you think this is one of those instances where it's just like number of hours in pool? Yeah. What is the number of hours that Malcolm Gladwell says? 10,000? That seems right. (laughs) We're getting there. The quar is going to get us there. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, And the other story is Kevin cut Jay's hair. (laughs) (laughs) With a scissors or a clippers? A clippers. So he has always had pretty floppy kid hair. And now all of a sudden he has a buzz cut and he just looks like a different child. That's so funny. Send me a picture when we're done. Okay, for sure. <laughs> All right. What are what have your kids been up to? Well, I guess in quarantine haircut edition, I trimmed Nate's hair and it doesn't look bad, but it looks a little mushroomy. Cause he like woke up in the middle of the night one night and was asking me for a haircut. It was really weird. And then Tony wanted a haircut. And I cut the hair like around one ear and then he wanted to stop. (laughs) (laughs) So he has a really asymmetrical look right now, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, that's very hip. (laughs) What I was going to share um, that I had planned on was a distance learning edition. And I want my kids, my first graders to do what I call their core subjects right away, because I feel like math, reading, writing are so important. You can't really do the other subjects without those. And so every day when Libby finishes them, she says, oh, my chore subjects are over. (laughs) 
Oh, that's adorable. She's always had such great turns of phrase. Yeah, and that's a funny one because I know what she means, and I don't think she's making a mistake. Really? (laughs) So are you ready to discuss screen time in the news? Yes, I am. I was tipped off to this story by longtime listener, good friend, sometimes guest, Amy Patton, and she was telling me about how Trolls World Tour a movie not on my radar very much is like disrupting the film industry and the way in which films are distributed. So we read an article on quartz.com by Adam Epstein about the clash between universal pictures and AMC theaters. So when the quarantine started, universal pictures decided to release trolls world tour and it did amazingly well like so many downloads they made like 95 million dollars in the digital release and so the ceo of universal said they were going to make all their releases simultaneous digital and in theaters and amc ceo said no you're not (laughs) because usually movie theaters get like a 75 day exclusive window before films are released digitally and so AMC is breaking up with Universal and saying that they're not going to show any of their films as like punishment. But the article goes into like the, it's a really symbiotic relationship. Like studios need theaters and theaters need studios. But this article was surmising that big budget films will still be shown in theaters and smaller budget shows might be just released digitally. Right. Did you download Trolls World Tour? Oh, yeah, we definitely did as soon as it was available. And I was happy to because apparently I like the Trolls franchise. Who knew? Yeah, the music is good. I thought it was really interesting, the percentages, because they said, obviously, it's all about the numbers. And I didn't write down the exact percentages. But when a movie is released in theaters, a percentage goes to the theater and a percentage goes to the studio. Obviously, when they're releasing a film digitally, a much, much higher percentage goes directly to the studio. But they were saying that that's unlikely to overtake what they would have made with the smaller percentage in theaters. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's still worth it to release it in a theater first, depending upon the film. Right. Because for me, the direct-to-digital has this kind of... B movie reputation. In the past, when I saw something was direct to video on demand, it was like, oh, that must mean that it wasn't good enough to come out in theaters. Yeah, totally. It has a ne- direct to video has a negative connotation for sure. But do you think this will totally do away with that? I hope not because I love going to see movies in the theater and I hope that movie theaters don't die a slow death like the video store. Are you still going to go to the movies after this? What's it going to take for you to be able to go to the movies? I don't want to wear a face mask in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. Because how would you shovel in the popcorn? Yeah. Maybe when I feel like it's safe to go 
or if movie theaters do like, I don't know, people sit in every third row. I don't know. I think it's going to be a long time, but like once it is safe, I think it will feel really good to watch a movie in a theater with a bunch of other people. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I also love the movie theater going experience, whereas Kevin is in hog heaven right now he hates going to the theater so as far as he's concerned he's like universal bring it on i'll pay 20 <laughs> bucks to rent it in my living room that's fine i get to sit here where i'm close to my snacks and my beer and i don't have to get off my couch so mm-hmm. he's team universal i'm team amc <laughs> <laughs> we're getting t-shirts printed All right. Little piece of follow up from our last episode where we reviewed the Disney Magic Moments hashtag. Uh, And we talked a little bit about how much fun cooking the recipes from the Disney parks and hotels had been for us. Well, in the intervening two weeks, they released the recipe for the storied gray stuff from their Beauty and the Beast restaurants. Given the audience for our podcast, I have to assume you've all seen some version of Disney's classic Beauty and the Beast. Yes, but I don't even know what the gray stuff is. Well, in the song Be Our Guest, Lumiere sings, Try the gray stuff. It's delicious. Don't believe me? Ask the dishes. gray stuff. Okay. And it was like a mysterious puddle of goo (laughs) like Like, it wasn't clear what it was okay but they developed a recipe that they served in their restaurants I have never been fortunate enough to be able to get a reservation at said restaurants (laughs) because they're very in demand so I was really curious to see the recipe and it's essentially just crushed up Oreos and like vanilla pudding mix which sounds uh, delicious I'm sure it is delicious but for something, I don't know, maybe it just attached itself to my childhood brain when I first saw that animated movie when it came out. Like in my head, it was like this mysterious, very French thing that was so delicious. And now mm-hmm. it's just stinking Oreos and vanilla pudding. <laughs> I am not okay with that. A little piece of my childhood died. Oh, I'm sorry. Thanks. You were thinking of like, remember, is it the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe had like Turkish delight yes exactly it was a turkish delight moment (laughs) (laughs) but the opposite like it tastes good it's not that i wanted the gray stuff to taste bad i just wanted it to be appropriately weird to have a name like the gray stuff like with truffles on top yeah something fancy and very expensive yes exactly i mean i'm sure disney charges an arm and a leg for those crushed up oreos and All right. Any other follow up from last week? No, I'm ready to talk. (laughs) Speaking of gray stuff about today's topic. Wow. Guys, we unintentionally picked a very appropriate topic for our time (laughs) and covered the Netflix television series called Oh Yuck. And it's available here on Netflix. I think it's an Australian show. There's only one season from 2017. And we unearthed it when we were looking for educational content on Netflix. There was this reference work from 2000 called Oh Yuck! The Encyclopedia of Everything Nasty, which is a children's reference book that's supposed to make kids interested in science and biology and the world around them by focusing on the icky, gooey stuff. And according to IMDb, the show that is based on this reference book is geared toward 11 to 13-year-old kids. Uh, Like I said, there are 13 available 
available episodes on Netflix, but apparently 26 were produced. So who knows where those are floating around. Quick summary of the plot scaffolding that they have grafted on this disgusting reference book. In the basement of a spotless clean lab or house or office building is a dirty lab where all the refuse from the clean lab collects and is studied by Dr. Septico Yuck. His mechanical genius assistant, Pristine, their robot, Derpy, a sentient pile of dirty laundry, a talking Guy Fieri style toilet, and a head in the jar. The owners of the clean lab hate Dr. Yuck and they want to get rid of him because they hate everything that's dirty, but they also claim to need his research for some reason. It's pretty skimpy stuff. So we picked it because we're always looking for new ways to interest our kids in scientific topics and equating grossness with coolness is a tried and true tactic. And we worry that the need for constant cleanliness has maybe pushed us in the opposite direction. And we just need to see dirty things every once in a while. (laughs) So we watched the first episode titled Snot Now, Snot Ever. We also watched The Yuck Trifecta. And we watched Dirty Rotten Birthday Girl. I'm not providing episode numbers just because the whole 13 episodes versus 26 episodes was pretty complicated. So... Those are the titles, and we will go through the episodes one by one, and then move on to our more general thoughts. Deborah. So in Snot Now, Snot Ever, we meet everybody who inhabits the lab, and then Pristine is a new employee who joins the lab just in time for the giant nose on the wall to get a cold. Why is there a giant nose on the wall? Um, and... It had a name, right? I think it may have been named Snotty. That's right. Um, I don't know why there's a giant nose on the wall. There's a lot of gross stuff in that lab. Mm-hmm. My first reaction was, I don't think I can watch this. Yeah. Because like one of the first scenes is like this giant nose just like spewing mucus everywhere oh so gross it was very I mean I know it's a special effect but it was very realistic (laughs) and we should say like the level of effects are probably like Power Rangers level like it's very like kind of goofy gross stuff yeah but nevertheless it's pretty foul looking made me really uncomfortable about the level of science going on in this lab because Everything is just gross and covered in filth. And I think it began with like a bunch of fart jokes, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is not anything, not gonna make me want to stay and watch the next episode. Okay, so I know we're not supposed to talk about our kids right off the jump and their reaction to things, but I did watch this first episode with Jay and his reaction was, I don't want to watch any more of this. That made me feel sick. Oh, that's so (laughs) funny. (laughs) So that's where we're headed, folks. The second episode, or are we ready to move on to the second episode? Go go ahead. Okay. The the second episode we watched, The Yuck Trifecta, featured Pristine coming to the lab with really disgusting eye boogers and using an ointment to cure them, which gave her terrible toe jam. So she used another ointment to cure that, which gave her a comical amount of belly button lint. So, yeah. Yeah. And first of all, like if there's one thing we've learned from current events, it's like if you feel sick, you need to stay home. You can't go to work. Mm -hmm. And like 
pink eye is one of those things that we already know that like it's super contagious she should not have been anywhere but her own bedroom with conjunctivitis that looks like that it was very traumatic i mean so all of these episodes have very short animated sequences that explain the science behind whatever yucky thing they're talking about but the science that they immediately went into for the eye boogers was like the little eye crusties that develop in your eye when you sleep at night which this obviously was not right her eyes were like rimmed with red and had like chunky yellow things sticking all over them it was it was not eye goop like sleep goop it was pink eye goop um can i make a confession yeah i didn't know what toe jam was me too i guess i'm i shower plenty enough that it's not a thing like wouldn't you have to leave your socks on for like a period of days for something like that to develop i guess i've had like if you get a new pair of socks and you wear them and then sometimes they're like really linty and they stick in between your toes, but that's not what this was. Yeah, it seriously looked like jam between like This was like build up. Yeah. Super gross. It was really gross. And then let's just I mean, the belly button lint. No one's belly button lint looked like this. She looked like the scene where the alien bursts out of the guy's stomach in space balls. Or in alien, rather. Like, she had that much belly button lint protruding from her belly button. Like, she couldn't button her shirt. If I was a kid watching this, I wouldn't have a good understanding about what belly button lint was, because I would be expecting it to look like that. (laughs) Right. Yeah, the educational value of this is super dubious. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's based on a reference work. You have to figure that like each yucky thing had like maybe a brightly colored page with maybe a column of text. Mm -hmm. It seemed like in developing this 22 minute long show, they didn't do any other research on the thing beyond what was already written in that single column of text. Oh, for sure (laughs) now. Yeah, for sure. All right. Should we move on to Dirty Rotten Birthday Girl? Sure. Pristine was the birthday girl, and her birthday party turns into a Fear Factor-style meal competition of gross foods. (laughs) This one, I think this was the last in the season, and this one really made me not want to watch anything again. Like, you know, when you're watching, like, a medical drama, I can't watch, like, the surgery scenes. I was doing that when I was watching this. I was just, like, covering up my face. (laughs) So I didn't have to see, like, the disgusting foods and the people, like, try to gag them down. Ugh. I felt really bad that the whole denouement of the competition ended with them having to eat Brussels sprouts because as someone who enjoys a good Brussels sprout, I don't want people to be maligning Brussels sprouts any more than they already are. They have such a bad reputation and they're in no way in league with, like, jellied moose-nosed ice cream or whatever they ate. What I would have really liked is if they were having an eating contest with like weirdo exotic foods and like they turned out to be delicious. I think that would have been a cool twist on it. Yeah. And also they did the thing where it was like a lot of Asian foods or a lot of foods from Asian countries, which I felt like it was just a little bit racist the way they Mm -hmm. put together that sequence. Yeah. Not a fan. It was really gross. All right, uh, should we move on to our overall thoughts? Sure. Maybe we should divide this question 
into pre-COVID and post-COVID life. How did you feel about gross stuff prior to the global pandemic we are now going through? I've never had a fascination with gross things. I'm really pretty squeamish. Like I said, I can't even watch like medical shows. I have so much respect for people who work in the medical field because I could never do it. Mm-hmm. And I think not much has changed, except now I've been reading a lot about like where the virus hangs in the air. And I'm like horrified that I was spent so much time in enclosed places with other people where I was just breathing their breath. <laughs> Maybe I won't go back to going to a movie in the movie theater. Oh. How about you? Yeah, I've never been a super fan of gross things. I mean, I have a pretty good tolerance for a level of chaos and just clutter and mess, but not like food left out and like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like there's a difference between clutter and like true grossness. Oh, there's a total difference between clutter and being cluttered is one thing, being like dirty is yeah. another. Yeah, that's at least what I tell myself to sleep at night. Yeah. Given your attitude towards gross things, did you learn anything? I think I would have had a better attitude towards the show had it not been set in a science lab. Mm-hmm. And I know that's the premise for like the teachable moments, but science labs are like the supposed to be the cleanest places on earth. Mm-hmm. And so I had a hard time getting past that. I guess I learned what toe jam was. Yeah, that's fair. That's about the only thing I learned. How about you? I mean, I guess technically I learned stuff, but I didn't really feel like it was something I needed to learn. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I could just as easily have gone through my life not thinking about the fact that strawberry flavor comes from beaver's anal glands. Was it beaver? Oh, yeah. That was new info Yeah. Me. Can you think of any other shows that you've seen that are based on a reference work? I mean, maybe history shows. That's fair. Is it worth it to try and give it a fictional plot? Do you think that works? I thought it was not a great way to showcase the gross things they wanted to showcase the plot was so strung together Mm -hmm. could you think of any reference works i mean obviously i've had disney on the brain a lot lately but Mm -hmm. i feel like they've made some compelling movies based on like five minute theme park rides so oh that's true they could conceivably have done something here to make the plot compelling they did not do that (laughs) uh yeah I don't even think it was worth it to give it a plot I would have watched I would have rather watched like discrete episodes maybe group them by like the yuck of the body and like the yuck of pests and the yuck of I don't know food and just like have a bunch of segments on that topic as opposed to trying to string everything together like that because it was not interesting the acting was not great really the only comedy was totally based on our current situation where we're so obsessed with being clean because the what's the word for the person who is against the the antagonists Uh of the show are these two men that work in the clean factory above the dirt lab and they keep trying to play them for laughs as being like afraid to touch one another because they don't want to get dirty afraid to like 
breathe on one another. It was all the things that we are legitimately afraid to do to other people right now. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to look at them as compelling villains. No, they seem totally reasonable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what did you think of the characters or the actors playing the characters other than the uh, clean brothers? I thought the actors were really likable. Really? I liked the actor playing Septico and the actress playing and the actor playing Pristine and my favorite were the dirty laundry puppets. <laughs> They were very, they had a very Fraggle Rock vibe. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot you're a Fraggle Rock fan. What did you think? Um, I found the actress who played Pristine to be a little on the high school production scale of acting mm-hmm. school, but I guess I found the guy who played Septico to be believably enthusiastic about gross things. Mm-hmm. How about the production design? It was very, like I said, B-movie. I kind of wish they would have done the whole thing animated. Oh, I would have enjoyed it more animated because then you're separated. For, there's That's just one more degree of separation from the actual gross stuff. Agreed. Kind of like Magic School Bus style. Yeah, because there were animated segments and like the beginning of the, like the opening credits are animated. That would have worked a lot better. Yeah. Well, were you able to compare it to any adult movie or TV show? For the record, every time I say this, I think there has to be a better phrase to use than adult movie. I know, but I know what you mean. <laughs> Every single time. And we say it in every episode. Okay. (laughs) Movie for grownups. Yes. (laughs) I, well, I already mentioned Fear Factor in one of my summaries, but for this, I was thinking about the very odd couple relationship that Pristine and um, Septico have. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about, remember the show, The King of Queens? Yes. With Kevin James and Leah Romini. I did not even think that was a good show, but I probably watched all of them. <laughs> wow. But it had, they have that quality where you're like, why, what, what are they doing together? How can they work together? They're so different. <laughs> Just like I, how could Kevin James and Leah Romini, those characters, be married and live together? Don't you know all attractive women just want to marry lazy schlubs? That's, that is true, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> just looking for somebody to take care of. How about you? Were you able to compare it to any movie or show for grown-ups? Well, it made me think, sadly, about a lot of those comedies that feel it necessary to have at least one horrible grosso moment um, to make them sell, like the otherwise very enjoyable comedy movie Bridesmaids that had to have an extended diarrhea sequence in it because no one would laugh at such a thing unless there were poop. Mm-hmm. It also made me think of a movie that I'm not 100% sure I've seen all of, but they did make a fictional film out of the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah. And Good it was, one. It was kind of, they took the advice from the book and they made three very, or maybe even four very different like lead mothers to be to show like the different things you could experience during pregnancy and what I do remember of it wasn't terrible but I honestly don't remember anything as far as what their journeys were (laughs) how they Mm -hmm. learned how they grew but I do think it was probably more successful in pasting a plot on a reference work than this was (laughs) 
mm-hmm. but actually yeah. more enjoyable than the real what to expect when you're expecting which let's face it if it were turned into a real movie would be a horror movie because that book is just like here is everything that could go wrong you should be terrified about bringing life into the world how can that be the main bestseller for pregnancy because I read a lot of reference works on pregnancy and that one was the worst Mm -hmm. because it's only the it's only the bad stuff they take you right down the rabbit hole to whatever the worst thing that could possibly happen is Mm-hmm. So did you do any casting of a gritty HBO reboot? Well, speaking of Bridesmaids, mm-hmm. I was trying to think of a good odd couple. And if this were like a lab where one scientist was just like out of control messy, I would choose um, somebody like Rebel Wilson or Melissa McCarthy, mm-hmm. who are very funny and very uninhibited. And then I would pick a male to be like the really like buttoned up person Mm -hmm. and I would pick a podcast favorite John Cho in that role yeah he'd be a really good scientist I think he'd look great in a lab coat yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think Rebel Wilson is a great pick I also couldn't stop thinking of the movie Notting Hill do you remember I know it's an oldie but Hugh Grant was in his like always playing the doofy nice guy phase And he had a roommate that was pretty disgusting and at one point was like eating some yogurt while they were talking. And at the end of the conversation, he goes, there's something wrong with this yogurt. And Hugh Grant goes, that's mayonnaise. And he just continues eating it. So I think we could bring those characters back for the gritty HBO reboot. Yeah, that's great. That's funny. Is there any gross thing that you wish they'd covered? Well, funny, I was going to say for like a show for grownups, it would be funny to do a show all about the gross stuff that can happen to your body in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I was thinking less like what to expect when you're expecting and more like the community forums on babycenter.com. <laughs> I don't even know if that site exists anymore, but man. Oh, it does. It definitely does. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think in the spirit of bringing us all together in the indignity of it all versus like telling you what horrible things could happen. I could see mm-hmm. that. How about you? I mean, when I let myself think about it, I just get too paranoid that I'm already not cleaning things well enough. Like I don't want more information about the sneaky ways that the fact that I don't wipe down our baseboards twice a day could be killing me. (laughs) (laughs) I have the five o'clock news for that. (laughs) Right. Do you think it was better when we were kids? Remember, you can't do that on television. Mm -hmm. I think that was a lot better than this show. Remember how much fun the slime seemed? Yes. Was it because they didn't pretend it was like a bodily fluid of any kind? It was just like its own substance? Probably. Because it wasn't on the surface all that different from the huge spewing amounts of snot that came out of that giant nose on the wall. And it looked gross and like something you wouldn't really want to wash out of your hair. But yeah, I totally would have gotten slimed had I gotten the chance as a kid. It looked amazing. I was just reminded just this minute of Ren and Stimpy and what like a great way that was to explore gross stuff again with the remove of animation that made it at all palatable. They did so much stuff with throwing up and boogers and bodily fluids of all kinds. Yeah, That's a good one. 
I loved Ren and Stimpy. Same. Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? <laughs> Never. Oh, God. I struggled to get through the three episodes we had to watch for this. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> Ten seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, well, I already shared Jay's analysis of the first episode, but I actually watched the Yuck Trifecta episode with Kevin, and mm-hmm. he said that I should be careful not to overly poo-poo it on the show, his thought being that it could be good for kids who would want to go into a medical field so that they wouldn't be squeamish. Oh, I can see his point for sure. Yeah, yeah. I would feel better about that if like the science lab were a little better set up. Like, fine, study the growth stuff, but don't make it look like it's okay to be, like, picking your nose and then eating it. Mm-hmm. Ratings? 0. 0.5. Okay, I was going to say two, because I really did like the Dirty Laundry Puppets. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com. Find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. You'll also find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. And tweet us with show or movie suggestions, articles, general comments at at myscreentime2. And email us at 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 myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children, and our podcast is produced by Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye. Sorry. Sorry.